You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. At the beginning of James's letter, he told us that if we needed wisdom, then all we would have to do is ask God and he would give it to us without any sense of, hey, why didn't you come to me sooner before you made all these mistakes? He gives freely and without reproach. And whether you ask for it or not, <laughs> wisdom that is, James is going to give you a little more wisdom today. Let's read from James chapter 4, starting verse 13, and going through James chapter 5, verse 8. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll travel to such and such a city and spend a year there, and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. Your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in the last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from your workers who mowed your fields cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord is coming near. A big idea for today would go something like this. Here is some wisdom that you have asked for. Now strengthen your hearts, because Jesus who redeemed you is coming again. Let's start off there in James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now. It's interesting. James is inviting us into a conversation. Come now, you who say. He's talking to you and me. Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Okay, great. That sounds that sounds great to me, right? Sounds like a good plan. These are people with purpose. 
And yet James says this, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. You don't know, he says, that your life could be gone tomorrow. It's here for a little while, and then it disappears, right? And so James is saying, you think that you're being wise. This is the natural way of wisdom. And, you know, as we look around us right now, this is everybody's plan. Everyone's got a plan of how to make a few bucks off of their neighbor now that lockdown is over. Everyone is racing to try to make back the money that they've lost. And they are going to do that by any means necessary, even if it means by hurting those in their own community and those around them. You could say, well, wait, they're just taking care of themselves. Is that so bad? I don't know. Let's see what James has to say about it. Instead, James says, you should say this, if the Lord wills, that is, if the Lord desires that this be what happens, um, we will live and do this or that. Okay, it's a slight difference here, but this is what James is saying. Look, you can't you can't guarantee that tomorrow is going to be there. Don't, don't live thinking that you are going to be completed tomorrow by this thing that you are doing for yourself. You must remember that the Lord holds your life in his hands. And this is why we, we do use our brains, we do use wisdom, and yet at the end of the day, we have to be able to say, look, this might fail because God doesn't want it to happen. Uh, we might go out and try to make some money here and be complete failures, or we might be total successes, but if we're getting success by sinning against others, then we're doing it wrong, and that is not God's will for us. If we are going out to, to get something for ourselves so that we don't have to rely on God, well, then we're doing it wrong, okay? And, and this is what James is talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but this whole idea about not knowing what tomorrow brings and having to put things into God's hands, this is a very scary thing right? I mean, look at us right now in the midst of this pandemic. That's one of the worst parts for a lot of people. They can't make any plans and the plans that we do make keep falling through. No one knows what's going to happen today, let alone tomorrow. And everyone just keeps on hoping that something is going to save us. You know, maybe there's going to be a vaccine, uh, the government regulations, those will keep us safe. Or if we get rid of all the government regulations, that will keep us safe. Some people are still just hoping that this is some sort of little joke from God and that he's going to relent and he's going to stop everything. And no one wants to believe that God is using this pandemic to repent us and turn us away from ourselves and our self-reliance and our plans and instead turn us back to himself. No one wants to admit that we don't know what tomorrow brings. 
and that God instead is the only one with a true plan that's going to come through in the end. We don't want to admit it because his plan is unpredictable. It's We can't manage it. It's unmanageable. And it's holy. But Christian, here's some good news for you and for me in the midst of that is that God has had a plan. The Apostle Paul tells us that before even the first stone for the foundation was laid, God had a plan to send his son Jesus to die for your sin and for mine. Long before you or I made our first plans, long before we, uh, you know, took our first breath with our sinful lungs, right before, uh, long before rather the, the, the first beat of our sinful little hearts, <laughs> Jesus had paid the price for our sins. And on top of that, he has not only had a plan that he succeeded in, but there are promises attached to his plan for the future, namely that we will get to spend eternity with him in a new creation. This is a beautiful thing. And yet, it's future. It's It seems not concrete. We can't reach out and touch it. And so naturally, we are prone to making plans for ourselves and not considering God. We want to take care of tomorrow and the next year, and we want to make sure that, you know, I mean, I'm sure God has us, right? But let's just go ahead and make a safety net for ourselves. But James tells us then in verse 16, look, if you don't take the Lord into your thinking, if you don't think about wisdom and life and getting by and surviving in this world uh, with the mind of God through the eyes of God, then what you're doing is you are boasting in your arrogance and your ignorance. And you know what? Not only is it is it sin to to know what is good and not do it the way that you are thinking james says is evil it's evil well tell us how you really feel james <laughs> okay james has, has told us that we're evil for thinking that we can make it through this world without god and that we can uh keep ourselves safe and secure without him all right surely James is going to give us some good news now, right? No, not yet. Instead, he invites us into another conversation. And he's talking to you and me in this conversation, okay? He's not just talking to someone who's got a, you know, a 35-room house and a Lamborghini, okay? He's talking to you and to me right now. He says, come now, you rich people, weep and wail over your miseries that are coming upon you. What is he talking about? What is, what is James doing here? Okay, we've talked about this quite often, actually. That a lot of times in Scripture, God uses the language of judgment to bring you to salvation. We talk about this when we talk about God's law. That the law is preached to condemn us of our sin so that we can... Feel the sense of judgment now and decide 
um, to to respond to Christ, we will turn away. We will repent. Uh, we will turn away from our sins and ourselves, and we will turn to God. And so James here, starting in chapter 5, verse 1, he's fast-forwarding to Judgment Day, and he's saying, look, repent now. Howl, weep, wail, because you've been storing up for yourselves. You've been thinking that if you store up all this wealth and all this stuff, then you won't have to face misery. And yet James says, the misery is coming upon you anyway. Look, all of your riches, they're rusting and they're corroding and your clothes are falling apart. And all of that rust, all of that, it's all speaking against you. It's like evidence in a courtroom. And this evidence leads to you being placed securely in hell. That is separated from the loving presence of God forever. And not only that, but these riches that you love so much, they're actually speaking against you. <laughs> they're, they're going money. It's funny. It's going to the ears of God and talking about the things that you've done wrong. We see that in verse 4. What, what kinds of things are happening here? It's not just that someone has been storing up for themselves. It's also the way in which they have been storing up for themselves. Right. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. Let's stop there. Your translation might say the Lord of hosts. We're talking about angel armies here. Okay. We're talking about, well, you should be scared by this. You should be scared by it. Um, here in South Africa, we know this whole idea of pay being withheld all too well. And it's exactly what's going on in this passage. These people that are being spoken to, they have withheld payment from other people so that their bottom line will be safe and secure and they won't have to lose any money along the way. That is exactly what is going on in this text. It's what we know from what goes on in our country here, right? Um, so many times you hear about businesses that just amazingly go uh, go out of business and then none of their workers get paid. Or workers are given a trial run and then they never get payment for their trial run and instead they've given a month of free work. This person who does that should be frightened for their lives and their eternity. You know, um, some people would just call that being a shrewd business person. That is using wisdom and being very exacting, okay? Um, but there are different categories in Scripture for this type of thing. Uh, in Scripture, we see both the righteous rich and the unrighteous rich. We see the righteous poor and we see the unrighteous poor. Let's see which categories we're working with here, because I'm pretty sure this is the unrighteous rich, but, but maybe they've got their reasons. Let's see. You have lived luxuriously on the earth, verse 5, and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous 
who does not resist you. Now remember here, this sounds like I'm just talking to the world. I'm not. I'm talking to you and me. This letter is written to the members of the church. And James is saying, you have condemned those people that did nothing wrong to you. Those people that you were supposed to pay, you refused, and instead, you took away their livelihood, you murdered them. You may have even taken, taken away their lives from them. Um, Topia, it was not a perfect thing, this early church. We see the story of Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, for instance. They said, hey, look, we're going to sell this extra piece of land that we have um, and give it all to the church. And then they talked it over and they said, well, uh, you know, maybe not all of it. Maybe we could hold back some for ourselves. And then they took it to the altar and they gave it and God struck them dead. <laughs> Judgment came upon them. Why? Because they weren't taking care of the needs of the church. They were enriching themselves when they had promised something to God. This was something extra that they had that they were selling, and they didn't want to give all of it away, even though that they, they promised that they would. That was luxury. They were living in luxury and they were afraid to give it away. Luxury in this case, I think maybe the best way of thinking about what James means by luxury, you know, I don't think they were, they were driving around in sports cars back then. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about? It's, it's living a lifestyle where you have extra of everything and then your brothers and sisters around you are suffering. Luxury here means not, it basically means doing nothing while those who you claim to have fellowship with um, are suffering. You're, you're enriching yourself when they are in need. The luxury and the self-indulgence that's being talked about here is not only in comparison to the neighbor down the road from you who has nothing. It's not just that. It's that you became luxurious by making sure that other people had no single luxury in their life. And instead, they only had suffering and hardship. Uh, you kept indulging in your, yourself, that is, giving in to every little thing, every little new toy that you wanted, while the other people down the road from you that were working for you, that may even claim to be brothers and sisters in Christ, are going without the essentials of life. And James says that this person, this unrighteous rich person, has been fattening up their heart. And that's good because the day of slaughter is coming and there is a meal that needs to get made. And yet, so many of us uh, would look around at people in the world who are quote-unquote successful and they just keep making it in the world. And they, you know how they keep making it in the world? They keep making it in the world by lying and cheating and stealing and saying, hey, let's go to this or that city and do this or that thing and turn 
a prophet. Some people call it being a shrewd businessman, like I already said. You know what? I despise that term because typically a shrewd businessman is someone who has wealth and then decides to build up more wealth by not sharing any of it. Now, I just, I don't think he's going to listen to this because, um, because they've started back at church now, but I want to brag on my dad for just a minute. Um, my dad was the opposite of a shrewd businessman. He was wise, don't get me wrong. But when he made money, he put it into the business so that he could hire more people. Not just so the business would look more profitable. When he lost money, he paid people more than the business could probably afford. In case it was the last year the business was going to be open. In an older time, he wouldn't have been called a shrewd businessman. He would have been called a ring giver. <laughs> he, he would have been called someone, he would have been called a ring giver because it's someone that enriches those around them. Um, that is, that is, since he's been blessed, he blesses those around him. And when he suffered loss, he would fight harder for all of those people around them to make sure, around him, to make sure that they were taken care of. God blessed the man. He may have never been rich, but you could mark him as being righteous in his business dealings. And I am still being blessed by the legacy that he had in that. Well, these people that James is talking to, and don't forget he's talking to you and me, these people are nothing like that. They're withholding and they're unjust and the profits that they're making are crying out against them like the voices of a thousand unpaid workers. And James is saying, you are ripe for the slaughter. He's echoing in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3, But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test my heart towards you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. These are the people that are sinning against God, okay? And, and Jeremiah is saying, look, uh, it's time for a slaughter and you are the judge. You are the one that brings this thing about. And this is exactly what James is saying as well. We all have to be careful of this, not just people that are rich, but those who want to get rich too, or just want to be making sure that they have their safety net in place. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy that people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That is the person that James is talking to. All right, let's not stay there, though, because I don't know about you, but I need some good news in this. I need some good news. So verse 7, chapter 5, Therefore, brothers and sisters, so after all of this wisdom that James has just dished out, he's saying, Look, don't think that you know what's coming tomorrow. Don't think that your riches are going to save you. And don't think that you building up your riches on the backs of people that you're taking advantage of is a good idea. Don't do any of that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. 
How does being patient solve any of our problems here? Well, James is saying, hey, look, don't try to set up a kingdom for yourself by going to this and that place and making all these plans that that might not even be what God desires for you. Instead, be patient, be wise, James is encouraging you, and don't make all don't make a profit off of other people, right? Instead, be honest in your dealings and be generous and loving towards people, especially if they are brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't be stealing from them. James is saying, instead, be patient. Christian, for you and for me right now, we are in the midst of this kind of half lockdown thing going on. We're not really sure when we're going to get together again. We're not really sure what's going on today or tomorrow. And James's word for us today is be patient. You know, the psalmist wrote and Jesus echoed in Psalm 113, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? <laughs> How long will you hide your face from me? And this this how long question that that Jesus echoes that we're echoing even now and we're wanting to take things and put it into our own hands and our own plans James just says be patient the Lord is coming and when he comes you are going to receive all the fruit of his kingdom Instead of this fruit and this, these riches that are going to rot, that are a part of your kingdom. And you know what Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Christian the Lord is patient towards you. And he's patient towards you even in the confession of your sins. And he is not slow to preach that good news to you. That he has died for your sins. And that you are forgiven. James today has given us this wisdom so that our hearts would be strengthened, so that we would be reminded that Jesus is coming again, and so that we would repent, that we would turn away from ourselves and our sins, that we would again see that Jesus has been patient with us, and that in him we have the forgiveness of sins and salvation and the fullness of life forever. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.